0: I'm Emily Jackson, and you're listening to Down to Business. For our last episode of the year, we have a little bit of a bonus interview. Financial Post editor Nicole McAdam has been at the helm of the FP for the past four years, but is leaving in January to become editor-in-chief of the Ottawa Citizen. Before all that knowledge goes out the door, she agreed to sit down with me and chat about some of her biggest takeaways from the Canadian business world from her time running the FP. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. So. What storyline sticks out most to you over the past four years?
1: I think there are two kind of important threads that have captured my attention over the past four years. One is sort of the increasing disruption of traditional businesses and the economy kind of caused by new technologies like AI and big data, robotics. And I think in some respect, all business coverage, regardless of sector, has become about innovation and technology. The economy is kind of undergoing a really significant transition and the ability for businesses to adapt um, is going to basically decide who the winners and losers are in the new economy. And I also think the rise in trade protectionism has been really one of the most interesting stories of the past four years. You know, Canada is a small economy that relies on access to global markets. And it's kind of forced policymakers and business leaders to think a little bit more strategically about trade. The US market might not always be there for Canadian businesses the way it has been. So there's a need for diversification. But at the same time, all of this uncertainty has created such a challenging environment for businesses to even think about exporting to new markets, so we're sort of seeing some softness in in the way that businesses think about whether they're going to export to other countries
0: when you combine those two things, you know, you've got the disruption from all these new technologies combined with this disruption to how we've consistently done trade. It's almost like those two forces combined have created quite a, quite a different pathway for businesses.
1: Yeah, it it's must be a very murky environment into which to try and operate a business these days. And I, I sort of have nothing but respect for the people who do that on a regular basis.
0: Any moves that have surprised you that you've covered over the past four years that you've noticed from either the business community or the government? I mean, obviously there have been, I'd say the trade developments have been surprising, but anything that really jumped out?
1: Yeah, you know, I think um, the speed at which the sort of social Me Too movement rippled through the business community has been surprising, and it's caught up several kind of high-profile CEOs and business leaders. You know, I think it's a it's obviously a long overdue and important movement, and to a large degree, I think it underscores something really important, which is the need for more diversity when it comes to people in businesses, people in boardrooms, people in the executive suites. At the same time, it's also kind of surprising how slow that change has been been to businesses. You know, I think when I started kind of really paying attention, we were in sort of the high teens when it comes to when it comes to the percentage of women in boardrooms and in executive suites. And now we're in something like the mid 20s. So that's, I think, been something that's been a bit surprising to me as I kind of think about our coverage at the Financial Post.
0: It's almost it's been quite slow to change. I notice that frequently, you know, sometimes when I'm writing about industries that are traditional Canadian industries and I'm quoting, I'm quoting a lot of men in executive roles, because there simply aren't a lot of the times women in similar
1: roles. Yeah, and I think that's been one of the big challenges. Like, I've definitely sort of challenged our staff at the FP to kind of find diverse sources, find women to speak to. But often that's really difficult. You know, when you talk about only about 20 to 25% of women in executive roles, that significantly lowers your list of people to call.
0: Now, has there been any story over your time at the helm here that has really struck a chord with
1: readers in a way that sticks out to you? I mean, on the kind of the funnier side of things, we did a story about the sort of rise of plant-based protein that for some reason just took off. People were really, really interested in this. So that was sort of like a quirky one that I thought really kind of captured attention. But on a more serious note, we did a series on kind of the challenges Canada has been facing in trying to build infrastructure in this country where you know, Claudia Cataniao and Jeff Morgan and Jer- Jesse Snyder kind of took a, a big list of projects and went through each one about how many had been canceled and discovered that there was something like billions and billions of dollars that had been basically lost in projects that were canceled for regulatory reasons, projects that were canceled because they couldn't find financing, projects that were canceled because of a lack of, quote, social license. So that one struck a big core, particularly with our readers in Alberta, who, of course, you know, it kind of came back to haunt us when the federal government was forced to buy the Trans Mountain pipeline from Kinder Morgan, and I was really happy that we were able to kind of flag that and get out ahead of that story just a little bit. Especially since one of the big complaints you hear from the business
0: community is how difficult it is to get stuff built. And yes. to actually take that step forward.
1: Yeah, and it's telling I think when you know the federal government passes a budget that you know sets aside a certain amount of money for infrastructure and they can't get that money out the door. Um, it's, I, I think it's telling on how difficult it is for us to build things when you think about hist- historically we've been able to build things like the Canadian National Railway and those types of things. like those types of big nation building projects seem to just be out of our reach these days
0: could only get more difficult going forward, given the division we're seeing between provinces right now. What issue are you looking at as maybe a bit of a sleeper that has been ongoing in the background that we might be paying attention to a little bit more as we enter a new decade?
1: You know, I'm not sure anyone pays enough attention to the security of our personal data. You know, this week we just saw a big breach at Life Labs, a big kind of, uh, they, they do all kinds of medical scans. Um, and it seems like these types of situations are happening more and more frequently. And with more and more severity, and my sense is we've become a little inured to it. Like there's kind of like a collective shrug, like, oh well, they paid the ransom, our data is safe again. And I think that businesses and governments really just haven't invested enough in measures to keep our information safe. In some reasons, there are good reasons not to. They exploit our data, um, they use it for profit. But I think eventually there's going to be a bit of a backlash, and businesses and governments are going to be forced to act.
0: Especially when it's something like Life Labs, and it, it's your medical information, it's your DNA in some cases. Yeah. Right. That's. Nothing- Nothing
1: is more personal than sort of your medical information, and I think maybe this might be a bit of a tipping point, a bit of an understanding of exactly what kind of data is out there in the world that can be stolen and and used to exploit you,
0: and how how companies are profiting off of that while we kind of turn our turn our
1: head to the other side, right? Yeah, it's it's something that we've tried to get at in our um in our series about innovation, um, but I think that there's a lot more work to be done. And then finally
0: top three takeaways from the Canadian business world after being so immersed in it, uh, leading the FP for the past four years?
1: You know, I've met many, many executives over the past four years, and I'm always struck by how smart the people are who run Canada's businesses and and how much they care. But I sometimes think there's kind of a a bit of a lack of boldness, particularly amongst the well-established businesses. I think you see a lot of kind of mavericks in the startup world, and I think you see a lot of mavericks in these kind of high growth businesses. But um, it, it all kind of just Seems a little bit too polite, you know, a little bit too Canadian. So I, I'd love to see sort of more big bold moves amongst the kind of more established business uh, businesses in Canada. And I also think Canadian businesses can do a better job of telling their stories, of making the case for how much they contribute to society. We all go to work every day, we all work at a business of some kind, and yet I think sometimes it's too easy to, you know, kick a company like GM, for example, which is closing its plant in Oshawa this week and throwing 2,000 people out of work. Where There's actually kind of another story there to be told, which is how complicated and difficult it is to run an automaking business in a world that may be making the transition away from fossil fuels. And I'd I'd like to kind of see, I think that complicates sort of the the original narrative and and it's a more nuanced story to tell. And I think in the past dozen or so years that I've been a business journalist, I'm just struck by how fast things are changing. And it's immensely challenging just to keep up with the pace of change, let alone operate a business, a multifaceted business in this environment. So, you know, I have nothing but respect for the people who do it and the men and women who kind of take up that challenge.
0: Nicole, thank you so much for doing this interview, for wrapping this up. And thank you so much for everything
1: during your time leading the FP. Oh, it's been my pleasure my sincere pleasure.
0: That was Nicole McAdam, editor of the Financial Post. Thank you to all of you for listening to Down to Business this year. Our first year has been far and away beyond our wildest expectations, and that is thanks to you. I want to wish every single one of you all the best in the new year. We'll be back on January 15th with our first episode of 2020. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, you can find all your business news at financialpost.com.